Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host, and joining me, Mel, our co-host. Mel, it's so good to see you. Hey, hey, so good to see you too, Davey. You know, it was so fun just uh, now, a couple months ago, being able to spend some time with you and your family here in Indianapolis over the 4th of July. How fun was that? It was, it, well, first off, we loved it. We love anytime we get to be around the Blackburn family. And <laughs> um, I think it was just so fun being in your house all together, waking up, getting to have coffee and just talk about I know. everything in, in so much more depth than what we usually get to go into. So well, anytime so I can great. sit down and talk to Charlie, holy cow, you're, you'll be laughing and then immediately get into a very, very rich, deep conversation, like, like a, a right turn immediately. You're like, how did you, you do that? I'm like... I love you. You just surmised why I love him so much is because <laughs> he was so funny, but he has so much depth. Um, can we talk about the fact that your wife is um, an amazing cook? I mean, and her mom, that monkey bread, may yeah. have changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tradition in apparently Christie's household growing up. And holidays, there's always monkey bread. So we can always look forward to that. And her mom's like a ninja. Like she she sneaks in and sneaks out. You know what I mean? Like she, you never know she's there. And yet somehow she drops off this gift of monkey bread. And you're like, where did she, I didn't see her. Cleaned did she up go? the entire house. Cleaned everything up. I know. It was awesome. It was so fun because, you know, you guys were staying up in Natalia's bedroom. And so, and then we had another couple <laughs> that was staying down in the basement. We had just this household full of folks. It was folks. a full house. It was a party. It was, it was so much fun. We have to do that again. One of the things I love about what we get to do, Mel, is in this ministry, nothing is wasted. The fact that it is kind of a global ministry now mm-hmm. is that we get connected with people all over the country, all over the world. Um, who are walking through difficult things. It's almost like it's almost like pain becomes the price of admission into this this club that really nobody wanted to pay the membership dues for. And yet when you get into it, you begin to to just get a glimpse into other people's world and you get you find yourself in such rich community. And um, that's what I love about what we get to do. Because we're just getting connected. I agree. The whole nothing is wasted community is such a sweet gift. And I agree. Like sometimes you think about it kind of sucks that the common denominator is adversity. But um, I I just feel like listening to these people's stories, um, Mm. it is, it's so neat to be a part of. It so is. Thankful. And this is an interview today with a couple who their story is just that. I mean, it was uh, through their story that we got connected to them. They reached out um, shortly after our tragedy happened in November of 2015 when we lost mm-hmm. Amanda. And we just kept missing missing each other. Uh, there was, you know, over the course of several months and a couple of years even, there was a couple of touchdowns with each other and words of encouragement and prayer. And we kept wanting to get in touch with them and them get in touch with us and have some time to spend together and never could make it happen. And I think it was just God's providence and timing that we finally were able to. And um, they actually ended up coming over to our house and doing an interview. And I'm telling you, Mel, I mean, you've heard this interview and you know, I mean, you texted me and you said you were in tears listening to this interview because... Yeah, it, this interview rocked me more than probably any of them have to this point. I mean, there's been some amazing ones. I love them all, to be honest. But um, yeah, I will just add a trigger warning that if you um, mm. have experienced any sexual abuse, um, this could be um, a real hard episode yeah. to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that if you're listening to this in the company of, of children or 
yeah, anybody who's you know, kind of in a, in a vulnerable state in regards to that, I would, mm-hmm. I would pause it, maybe listen to this a little bit later because um, it's heavy. It really is mm-hmm. heavy. And in fact, in the room, when we were, when we were interviewing them, there was, a, there was a palpable heaviness in the room. And yet at the same time, you felt, felt like that there was just this Holy Spirit presence mm-hmm. that was abiding with us through it all, a very healing presence. Uh, for me, this, is a very, this was a very touching interview because it was so similar to our story. And I, exactly. I felt so many common threads through it. And so to be, you know, to be honest with you, Mel, as I was interviewing this couple, I was getting uh, filled with hope and healing through all of it. We oh, talk sure. a little bit about that in this interview. Um, but again, that's what I love about what we get to do is that we get to have conversations with people who are walking through all different types of valleys, but then God will connect you with the person and I feel like he does this with everybody's story. He'll connect you with the person or the group of people who have walked a very similar road to you. Yeah. Oh, very I totally agree road. with this. Yeah. I I think what was so amazing to me is that um, this couple, probably more than anyone that you've ever met, could um, resonate with everything that you were feeling, thinking, mm-hmm. have walked through and to be able to, and we'll hear in this interview, which is why you don't want to miss it. So if you can't mm-hmm. listen to it now, listen to it later. Um, but you could ask her questions and um, and hear her thought process through everything. And um, I, I'm sure that had to be so healing for you. Um, but it also made me think of um, why you get, why we have community groups and we yeah. have community groups um, signups is because there is such power in community and especially camaraderie when you are able to walk with somebody who um, can't just sympathize, but can empathize what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you don't know what Mel's talking about right now, community groups are a brand new thing that we're launching here. Probably this month, we're we're waiting for our new website release to launch these, but we have already had people begun to sign up for community groups. And we've had a massive influx of people who have signed up to be a part of community groups. And what this is, is these are online virtual groups on our website that match you with people who have walked through a similar trial as you. Um, in fact, when we were talking to Rachel and Simon Henry, who's who the couple that we interviewed um, and that you're going to be listening to today, when we, when we were talking to them about these groups, um, Rachel raised her hand. She said, hey, I'd love to be a guide in one of these groups for oh, the specific wow. valley that she's walking through. And so she's already agreed to that. We're going to have guides who help to facilitate some of these conversations with folks. And so if you're looking to talk to somebody who has walked the journey or is currently walking the journey, consider this like an online support group. Um, I know that for me, I, I just needed to feel like somebody who understood my journey was mm-hmm. walking next to me and they could kind of give me, you know, Hey, here's what to anticipate the next, you know, three or four months, or they could give me kind of a me too. But at the same time, we felt like we had this, this, uh, common connection where we were saying, you know what, we're, we're refusing to sit and wallow in this valley. We're going to move through this valley and we're going to keep each other accountable to do that. And I think that's what the power of these community groups are are going to be for the Nothing Is Wasted community Um, and to kind of give more voice to what you guys are going through and provide some more opportunities for healing for that. So nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. You can go ahead and sign up for these now. It is free admission. I mean, it is open to anybody and everybody. Uh, and and they're going to launch at some point, you know, within the next month or so. We'll make sure we let you know when they launch for sure. That's awesome, David. But, 
Yeah. Just one of the many amazing tools that we have (laughs) that nothing is wasted. Um, So That's right. Also, Mel, you're aware of this, but the listener's not aware of this. In this episode, you're going to hear... Uh, me and in the part two of this episode, this is a this is actually a two parter because the conversation was so good. So we're going to release part two of this Monday following this release. But you're going to hear a lot about me talking about the trial, Amanda's jury trial, and I reference it coming up in September. And so you might be thinking, oh wow, you know, we want to be able to pray for you and support you in this. I want to give you some updates on what's going on with the trial. Uh, the trial has actually been postponed again to February of 2020. So although you're going to hear you know, me reference the trial in September, just know that as of today what, that we're recording this, August 5th is the recording of this intro and outro. As of today, it has been postponed to February 2020. We'll keep you up to speed on that stuff on uh, my blog and also on this podcast as much as we possibly can. All right. Thanks, Davey. And if you get a chance, we would love to um, for you to rate and review the podcast. You can do that on iTunes. Um, we would love to hear um, just how God has used this podcast in your life. Um, and um, we are going to jump into this episode, but um, at the end of it, um, Davey's going to talk a little bit um, on the back end of just how this whole process was listening to this story, walking through Mm -hmm. it. Um, And so you're not going to want to miss that time at the end. So let's listen to Rachel and Simon. Simon, Rachel, great to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining me in person too. Man, yeah. back to beautiful Indiana. That's Hello. right. That's right. Like I said earlier, two months a year, it gets beautiful here. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us, because you guys are in some ways from Indiana. Tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us where you guys are at right now. It's a very interesting story as to what your family's doing right now. I can't wait for mm-hmm. the, the reader to, to listen to this and hear this. But go ahead and tell us uh, about the Henry family. Uh, Simon and I met in high school and then followed each other to college where we got married midway through and uh, started having a family pretty soon after that. So uh, six kids later, we finally think that we are done having children. <laughs> yeah, that's six, that's six. That's one more than five. Oh, one less goodness. than seven. What are the ages of those six kids? Uh, 11, 9, 9, 7, 3, and Holy cow. And you guys were able to get away from them for a couple hours. Yes. Well, they're somewhere. (laughs) They'll be okay. okay. Any chance we can. And it's especially nice right now to get a break from them because we are just two weeks into a family journey. This summer, we're going to be traveling in a camper together and we're houseless and figuring out how to live with less and see the outdoors and see the country. So, okay. So you were telling me this before we went on air that you guys just decided, you're like, okay, we could... We could basically relocate anywhere we want to in the country. So here's what we decided to do. Simon, tell me a little bit did, about this. Did, did you notice the politically correct way to say homeless is to say houseless? <laughs> houseless. So, homeless. I mean, so we do have a permanent address in Florida still. But um, yeah, a few months ago we were talking. We were getting to the point. We've been renting since we moved to Florida in the Naples area and talked about buying a house. But we really wanted to travel. And obviously rent's really high there because everyone's grandma retires there. <laughs> and... Um, and so we're just like, let's, what if we just got out of our house and went on the road for the summer? So the original plan was go on the road for like 12 weeks and then buy a house back in Florida when we got done. But now we're like, but we could really go anywhere. 
Um, and since we've been in, out of Indiana for a couple of years, Rachel very calmly said, I would prefer not to have winter again. <laughs> I, I'm like, hey, God might write it on the wall. I think that's what it would take to get us back to a winter. Probably. You guys were in the right location for no winter, <laughs> Naples, Florida. Yeah, like, yeah. Pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's about yeah. five months of the year. It's almost like perfect weather. And so, so yeah, now it's three months and praying through as we travel. Is there some place specific we should be? The one company I work for is out of Austin. So Texas is a good possibility. We would like some land. We want Rachel wants animals, so our kids have to take care of them every day. You gals <laughs> and one of your animals. I'm telling you, Christy is trying to convince me of the same thing. I'm like, who do you suppose is going to work this farm? She's oh, like, well, well, you are, Dave. Well, you I'm got like, two and uh, one on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just keep you just keep multiplying. That's I, I need to have more chores Aren't for the kids. Child to labor do? laws against all that. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the state. Only if you pay them. <laughs> Only if you pay them. Yeah. So, so and fun. with the six kids, and Rachel does homeschool, which. We never thought we'd do, but it's been a great fit for mm. us. So that provides a lot of opportunity to invest in their character. That's what mm. we're going <laughs> to categorize <Lots>. it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, throughout um, our journey, we've kind of missed each other over the mm -hmm. past few years, although we've kind of been in somewhat of contact and stuff. Rachel, I remember hearing from you almost immediately after things happened, maybe a little bit after mm -hmm. things happened with Amanda, um, and, and just getting some some exposure to your story mm. um, because it's just, I mean, absolute heart, heart wrenching story. And yet at the same time, I'm, I'm sitting here in front of two people whom most people who have gone through something that you guys have gone through, you not, you would not be, they would not be sitting here and, and having conversation about how good the Lord is mm. the way that you are. And, and yet you are, and we're going to have conversation about that. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you guys. And, and I'm really eager to hear not just the story, but but what God's been doing mm -hmm. in that. So why don't you take us back and um, just begin kind of at wherever you want to start yeah. and, and how, how this story unfolded. Well, I'll actually piggyback off of your connection because uh, I remember I had just had a baby mm -hmm. and when, when everything happened with Amanda and I was, you know, on the couch all the time and I remember I was sitting there and feeding my son and and either seeing in the news or someone texted me about Amanda and um, immediately feeling like, oh my goodness, I have someone now that I can talk to because mm. she was still alive at that point mm. and not knowing all the details, obviously, right. and praying so hard that night for God to save her and mm. just feeling like I could have this real connection with this other lady that I didn't even know. And then just heartbroken to hear that she had died and feeling like, wait, God, that was like my chance yeah. to, to have this connection with someone. Um, so from that point on, it was uh, it was always very close to my heart. And um, so I guess to jump back a year before what happened to Amanda, um, we lived in small town Indiana, and uh, my husband worked at a college there and was required to stay on campus for his doctoral classes mm. that were just beginning, uh, which was fine. And I I was fine staying home with the kids. Uh, we had four kids at the time, ages six down to two, and. Um, so the second night he was gone, our, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night to our, our kitchen, hearing noises in our kitchen, and without even taking time to think, you know, like, I don't know if you take times to think in those moments, right. but just went and confronted people in my kitchen. There was three men with their hoods up, and they just wanted money. And uh, I mean, really had nothing in the house, like change jars, you know, that was it, but um, wanted to give them 
whatever they were asking for just because you want them out, yeah, you know, like, right. yeah, sure. You can take, take that. That's fine. Um, but they, they just kept asking questions and quickly found out that my husband wasn't home and wanted to know when he'd be back. And then they said they wanted to, um, just search the house for valuables. And, uh, in that moment, you know, up until that point, I was kind of like between them and my kids. Yeah. Um, and at that point they just, uh, you know, pushed their way by me and said they were going to go search the house. And so looking back, it's so, it's like, you can't really explain how you act in those moments, but um, for whatever reason, I I trusted, they said they didn't want to mess with the kids or they just wanted to look for, for phones or computers. Mm. Um, And so one stayed with me and the other two went to search the house. Um, And at that point I was, um, taken alone by him to another place in the house and and a process began of being raped by him and then joined by the other two with with laughter and just their their stupid jokes and um so this continued for a a, a period of time and um just started praying out loud you know mm-hmm. like god keep my children asleep i can't imagine you know the horror right. of waking up and seeing your mom in that position with um, with intruders and, um, so praying constantly that that would, that they would stay asleep, praying that they would stop what they were doing, praying that God would somehow convict their hearts in this Mm. moment. Like God help them to realize like how, how big of a terrible choice they're making. And God, would you help their time here in this house to somehow show them you? And, um, so after, after, um, I don't know if they were there 30, 45 minutes. And they finally uh, got our computers, found my phone, took some watches, and uh, they left saying, have a blessed night. And and they were gone. Um, So thank the Lord, all the children stayed asleep. The biggest miracle. Um, At one point, I was standing in one room looking across my living room to my bedroom where I had a daughter sleeping with me since Simon was gone. And she was laying there asleep and the lights were on and one of them was rubbing through drawers right next to her. Um, it's just purely God's hand oh and gosh, protection yeah. over them. And um, so, you know, then you're left with what do I do next? Yeah, right. I had no means to contact anyone from my home. Phones, computers, all of that was gone. And I thought, you know, should I go to a neighbor and wake them up at two o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to leave my house with my kids inside. What if they would come back or, you know, just, um, so I just decided the best thing that I can do probably at this point is wait till morning. Mm. And, uh, while they were there, they had stopped numerous times and said, you need to swear to God that you're not going to tell anyone what we did, or we're going to come back and kill your, kill you or your, your kids, you know? Um, so there was that fear, you know, you see it in the movies and you think, Oh, always go tell the cops. But I, you know, I thought through, I'm like, would it even be possible for me to not tell anyone? Like, right. I'm like, of course not. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. that's a big deal. And um, so the kids mm. woke up in the morning on their own, and I wanted to make things as normal and easy for them as possible. So we had listened to Adventures in Odyssey a lot, and there's... I love, <laughs> Adventures, love Adventures in Odyssey. It's always so good. My brother would fall asleep every night to Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> every single night. So all good the, Mr. Whitaker and all oh, of yeah. the adventures. Man, 
So there's one specific episode where the Barkley family yeah. has everything stolen the, the night before Christmas from oh, their Christmas tree. Yeah. And we had been listening to that a lot. And so I just, in the moment of when I was getting ready to tell the kids, I feel like God gave me that. I'm like, okay, they know that story and they can relate to it. Wow. So telling them about that story and then being like, someone was in our house last night and took my phone and our computers and mm. they stole our stuff. And so we have to go tell dad. Um, and so they were just like, oh, why would someone, you know, it's such innocent. Like, why would someone do that? Why don't they just like get jobs if they want to yeah. you know, pay for something? Yeah. Um, so just keeping it simple for them. Obviously didn't tell them the extent of what happened, right. but um, God had preordained it that they all had play dates scheduled that morning. I was going to go look in antiques or, you know, something fun. Um, so uh, we, we were just like, okay, get all your stuff for your play dates and we're going to go and we're going to tell dad first. So uh, we... yeah. We, Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, mean, you can from tell my, this part. So I'm, I'm in class, and so it's, you know, it's doctoral classes, but it's a Christian university, so start the day with like a devotional. And I had left my room key that the night before. Like I went home, like literally it's two blocks. Like I walked back and forth to work, yeah. to the university. So I went home that night, said goodnight to the kids, and then walked back, and then I texted Rachel that I, I left my room key there. Mm. And so can you bring it to me in the morning? And so I texted her that morning at breakfast and didn't hear back, like... You know, when are you going to bring the key over? And it's like 8.30, and I hear these kids outside the room, and the professor's like, oh, there's children out here. And I'm like, those sound like my kids. And sure enough, so I went out there, and Christian, our oldest, who had just turned six at the time, as soon as I walk out, he's like, we were robbed last night. And I'm like, okay. And my my mental state was, like, they woke up and things were gone. Like, yeah. that's that's what I was picturing right away. And so there's all these kids there. Rachel's kind of quiet, but she's usually quiet. So that's, that wasn't a big deal. And suddenly Christian says something about there was three guys. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did you know how many guys were in the house? Mm. And then he said, well, mom talked to him. And then I looked at Rachel and again, there's, there's no one else in the lobby. It's kind of quiet and just the kids. And I was like, there were three and she just said yes. And I was like, well, what did they do? And she kind of looked at me with a look and just said, just ask yes or no questions. Mm. And so then I'm, I'm starting to catch up a little bit. And I'm like, okay, well, I was like, did they hurt you? And she said, no. And then my mind went and I said, did they touch you? Mm. And that's when her whole composure just changed. Oh, and I knew in that moment, like our lives would be forever changed. I didn't know the details, but I knew in essence what had happened to her. And I just held her and... And she cried and um, wow. and then we got into it as far as like, what do we do next? And um, she hadn't called the police yet because she didn't have a phone. So then like I'm calling the police and, you know, small town, not extremely small, but small enough. And like, so the police met us at the house. And like she said, like all the kids already had play dates. So I kind of called those people and all I told them was the house was broken into yeah. like, and can you come get the kids now? Which they all did. And, and so... Yeah, and then we met the police at the house, and they were there for, I mean, they were there for like all day, like eight hours collecting evidence. And um, she had to walk the detective through the house so they knew where to collect. And then she, we went to the hospital, and she had her follow up with the hospital and everything. And so, wow, it was a long day. <laughs> wow. Um, that's, I mean, that's yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah. That's it heavy. Is. So it'd be July 14th, right? So it'll be five. It'll be five years next. It month. will be. Rachel, you um, 
you indicated that that during all of this that you all, you went directly to prayer, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's a that's a response that's like that's a faith muscle memory response. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your maybe your upbringing or your mm-hmm. story of of meeting the Lord and yeah. how that really helped to shape even that moment right there? Um, grew up very conservative Christian home. My dad was a pastor, um, and I mean, thanks be to God, I never went through a rebellion or like a great time of, of questioning or being angry at God, um, whether that was my parents' instruction mm-hmm. and really living out what they were teaching. Um, I know they prayed always that we would just stay faithful. Um, so I really do look at their faithfulness in their journey. My dad had cancer when I was six and mm-hmm. was expected to die in a short time and just seeing the way that they walked that out mm. um, over the years and he's actually still living. And wow. so seeing how he used his hardship and turned that around and went on the road as a preacher and, and spoke and wow. you know to tell people about God's faithfulness, even though he thought he was gonna die. Um, so I obviously had a great heritage right. before me and seeing, seeing how you can be faithful to God, even when it's not easy. Mm. And um, so I guess in that moment, I didn't, I didn't feel fearful that night, mm. which I can't explain. Um, in retrospect, I, it's like, oh my goodness, I probably should have been freaking out. Like, why was I not scared for my life? Or, mm. um, but no matter, when I think back through it, I'm always, you know, you could do the what ifs, like what if I would have done something different? What if I would have tried defending myself? And no matter how I play it through my head, it, seems to always end up worse or a kid wakes up or I end up getting hurt or worse. And um, so Mm. I just have to trust that 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 night my, uh, not easygoingness, but my... um, Your peace. Yeah. The peace that I had and the fact that I didn't fight back just was God's way of of letting things uh, progress in a way yeah. that it wasn't worse yeah. than it could have been, or the fact that he wasn't home. You know, I'm yeah. like, maybe if he would have been there, it, it would have been an all-out fight. I mean, I like and, to say in my, you know, my my machoism that you know, it would have ended differently. Those guys would have right. ended up hurt or something, but obviously that we don't know that, and it could have been much different. One of the things that I've heard, and just through different therapists, that has told us that like Rachel's natural reaction was her instinct was submit to their demands to protect my children. Mm. And that's exactly what she, to her, and this goes a lot to like the way God wired her and her personality, which is funny because like her mom's always not like certain parts because she's, Rachel's very independent, but not like she doesn't, she's just God given, given her this ability to be self-sustainable. Yeah. And so, um, but for this situation, if she has a job to do like something she needs to do, that's what she's focusing on, not seven Mm. other things. And she's, like in that time, this, again, this is what therapists said, like for her, that was a job to get done yeah. at that point in time. And, you know, it's a blessing that I think the way God wired her to be able to go through something like that. Yeah. Um, for sure. Well, well, particularly for me, Rachel, it is, um, it's a very interesting thing for me to, mm-hmm. to be sitting here talking to you because um, I don't have any insight into what, mm-hmm was going on in Amanda's heart mm-hmm. um, when all of that happened. But I, I, can, I, can, I see a lot of resemblance in, in your upbringing mm-hmm. in what I would think or conjecture her response would have mm-hmm. been in that. And so it brings me a lot of peace to hear you talk about this idea of peace. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about it with her family a lot of what, based on Amanda's personality, what would we have thought 
would be going would have been going through her mind. Yeah. And I've even played out in my head. Um, it was what was there in any way? Was she trying to um, either reason with them? Mm-hmm. Was she trying to share the gospel with them? Mm-hmm. Did she? What was going on in her heart, knowing the person that she was? And again, it brings me an incredible amount of peace to hear you say that you had this peace and you were not afraid. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by this concept right now, this idea of you know Philippians 4, 7, the, the, the peace that passes all understanding mm-hmm. will guard your heart and mind. And, um, and that's in the context of um, God talking about not, not worrying through the Apostle Paul, you know, that we can bring our, our petitions mm-hmm. to the Lord through prayer. Um, when we when we are worried, and um, to give me some more insight into this this peace, this fearlessness that you were feeling in that moment, um, even if this is just for my own soul, yeah, yeah. just uh, you know, because because in some of our tragic moments, in those moments that we know our world is being turned upside down, the moments we would have never imagined we would experience, the moments that we all fear that we're going to experience. Mm-hmm. At some point, um, God shows up mm-hmm. and he rushes in and he's, he's there. Were you ever asking that question, God, where were you? Where are you? What's going on? Talk to me about some of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Simon said, I think in that moment, it was just uh, purely focusing on doing whatever I could to get them out of the house for the sake of my children. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as the the calmness and the peace, I think it's just it's God, yeah. you know. And um, I was trying to not see them as see the the perpetrators as, um, as people who could hurt me, but like to see them as humans. Mm. And I was talking to them a lot while they were there, like, like almost trying to reason with them, like, "Why are you doing this?" Mm. And you know, trying to like, for my own understanding, like, what what makes you think you can do this? And it was clear just from their responses that they were not on the same page as I was yeah. or whatever they, they were doing, they had no problem with. Right. Um, so, you know, I was hoping, I think in, in speaking to them that it would make them see me as a person mm. and, and like um, that maybe they would realize what they were causing, like all the pain and, or, you know, the potential fear that they were causing. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if it did or not. And I might never know, yeah. if it made a difference. But I do remember after they left and I, I just laid on the couch and one of my first thoughts was like, God, where were you? Mm. And immediately the image that came into my head was like, Jesus, you were here. Mm. And I imagined him standing in the room and watching and just crying mm. and um, just heartbroken at the choices that these guys were making, but at the same time, not stopping it. Because mm. that's your thought, like, God, right. why didn't you why stop you it? Stop why, like... That's what you always wonder, and, yeah. and and obviously we, if we believe the same thing about the Bible, like He gives us all the choice, yeah. and so as much as I have choices to do stupid things, mm-hmm. they did too. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, God didn't stop it, mm-hmm. yeah. but He did keep the kids sleeping. He orchestrated it that Simon wasn't there for whatever reason, and afterwards did so many mm-hmm. amazing things that I really can't imagine life differently now. And wow. I, I want to take this opportunity, like, so a lot of guys marry above themselves, I feel like. Yeah. And I 100%. <laughs> punt their coverage. <laughs> exactly. So, speak, so yeah. much. Like for Rachel, it wasn't like somebody, like she was, and she 
has shared this, like praying out loud while they were there, but it wasn't just that, like after they were gone, um, in her prayer journal, mm. she literally in the time between when they left and the kids woke up and she has this written, like she prayed and asking Jesus to save their souls. It oh wasn't just this idea of, and like, that's, that's who she is. That's yeah. how she was raised. And it's just a testimony to like, that's, that's her heart. Yeah. And she also, she said, I think she even wrote like, obviously they need you. Like there's something wow. wrong here. And so, um, but that, I just wanted to give that insight to that. So that's truly who she is. Man. And I think she still prays that for me every day. Like God save his soul. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you see this picture in scripture and even in Christian tradition where, you know, guys who were martyred for the faith. Mm-hmm. So you see it with, with Jesus first, obviously mm-hmm. he's like the first martyr ever, you know, the, the first martyr for Christianity. Cause he's the one that mm-hmm. purchased salvation for us. But he looks out on the perpetrators and says, father, forgive them for mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing prays for them, mm-hmm. right? And then ultimately opens up forgiveness for all of humanity because of that. Yeah. Stephen follows suit mm-hmm. and does that in, in Acts uh, chapter seven. And he, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Christian tradition tells us that James, the brother of Jesus, does the same thing. <laughs> that they took him up to the temple um, mount and threw him off the temple and he didn't die mm-hmm. that way. And so they stoned him to death down at the bottom mm-hmm. of this. And he says, according to tradition, Father, forgive them for they mm-hmm. don't know what they're doing. And there's something about this, when you have a, an eternal perspective, mm-hmm. and it's something that can only be given by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, it's this peace that passes all understanding. Um, as, as a believer, we all have that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I often try to tell people, they're like, I can't imagine going through what you're going through. And I'm like, are you a believer? Because mm-hmm. the same Holy Spirit that lives in me is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. Mm-hmm. And he will come in in those moments and he will empower you to do this mm-hmm. as well. If you lean on, not, not your own understanding, but right. on his word, right? And he'll give you that peace and he'll give you that ability to speak above what your own ability is to speak Mm -hmm. into those things. And so I just think it's just an amazing thing to see like modern day, you know, like (laughs) to hear you say that, Simon, modern day in, you know, I mean, in some instances, not a martyr by any means, but someone Mm -hmm. who has been taken advantage of a, a, you know, a victim who's been, uh, you know, abused, sexually assaulted here Mm -hmm. and still praise that over the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Just taking a quick break from this conversation to let you know about one of our additional resources you can gain access to by becoming one of our Nothing Is Wasted monthly partners. Our team started noticing that after recording interviews with our guests, we would naturally sit around discussing takeaways and profound moments that impacted each of us. We thought it would be a great idea to share that with you. That is why we have recorded 10-minute commentaries for each episode. You can access these commentaries and much more bonus content by making a tax-deductible donation of $5, $10, or $20 a month to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Just head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners to sign up. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Now take a listen to an excerpt from a commentary we did about this very episode before we get back to our interview. I, I had this moment when I went back into our house three months after Amanda was killed, and I remember asking God, where were you? Where were you when all this happened? And I believe he revealed to me in those 45 minutes that I was there walking around the house, worshiping, listening to worship music and praying and 
when I laid down in the spot that I found her, I believe that he revealed to me exactly where he was. And I believe that it, it became a healing balm to my heart. Simon, I'm, you know, you're in this moment where no husband, no boyfriend, uh, no man mm-hmm. who loves a woman ever wants to be in where she tells you what happened. And you even described earlier that she, you saw her countenance change. Mm-hmm. How did you feel then in this moment as you're beginning to discover what happened, as you're beginning to uncover some of the details of it? Obviously, immediately it's like, hold this woman, just like protect her, take care of her. Um, and then throughout the day, she spent a few hours at the hospital where they do like the follow-up and make sure they get every, every inf- all the information they need from her. And then she had to go straight to the police office and give a very detailed account right mm. away, which was hours in the making. And so both of these places, I'm sitting by myself waiting. Wow. I can, I mean, it's so distinct at the hospital. I walk outside, I call my parents, which is no call you ever imagine making. Right. This, my, my parents live nine hours away. And so my mom's reaction is like, oh, Simon, no, no, no. And they get in the car and uh, drive out right away. And then um, some of our pastors came to the hospital and were with me there. Then at the police office, I was sitting by myself and I was cussing God out. I'm not going to yeah. like, yeah. I was upset. And that's the thought. Like, I think Rachel was able to stay so calm afterwards because she was worried about me. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I'm at the police station, just sitting there, texting my best friends from college, um, three guys that mean the world to me and just letting them know we live all different places now mm. and um, that type of thing. And just not understanding like, yeah, God chooses to intervene sometimes. We see current stories, biblical ones. Why not this time? Yeah, yeah. But I will say the days following, um, he completely won my heart. Mm. Like the way that he responded to me with such tenderness. I mean, even like, even if he wanted to touch my hand or Mm. whatever, he was like, is that okay? Wow. You know, and it, I mean, it was like within a week or two and I was just like, I'm so in love with this man because he is... He's just treating me with such servanthood and humility, and uh, it was exactly what I needed. Wow. It wasn't overbearing. He didn't really talk much about those feelings that he mm-hmm. was having, which I think was good, because then I would have tried to be like, no, you're like, don't don't make this about revenge right. or unforgive, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that moment, it was probably good. He either kept those to himself or talked to someone else, wow. um, and we could deal with that later. But in, in those first... Um, two weeks, just, I mean, the body of Christ mm-hmm. came around us like never before. Uh, it was kind of funny. It was almost like dying mm-hmm. because it's like when something bad happens, people come and right. they say mm-hmm. all those things right. to you that they either have always wanted to say, or they're right. just so supportive. And, um, and that fact of realizing I could have died mm-hmm. and especially, and I think that's part of why Amanda's story meant so much to me because yeah. really probably even up until Amanda died, I kind mm-hmm. of just went through it and thought, okay, it happened. And it was through her story mm-hmm. that I realized what a blessing or like what a gift my life right, was right. and that I I don't want this to be wasted. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that my story could have ended differently. Wow. And I don't know how, how things would have gone on. And obviously I don't want to imagine yeah. that because that wasn't what God had for us. Um, but wow. I've been, and you said you're proud of us, but I'm like super mm-hmm. proud of you for the way that you've 
taken Amanda's death and mm. just shine God's light through that and that he's there as hope in the journey. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we've been rooting for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Simon, <clears throat> I think it's really cool that maybe you didn't know you were doing this, but just to hear Rachel say that you could have you could have chosen to focus on one of two things. Again, you could have chosen to focus on the revenge and mm. getting this, you know, getting back at these guys, which nobody would blame you for mm. that. But instead, focusing your attention on her and making sure that she was okay. Um, obviously, I could tell it just spoke volumes to you, but also um, it shows a tenderness, you know, uh, and, and as men, we're like, you know, we want to have that tough exterior. We want mm-hmm. to have that kind of, you know, and, I, you know, every... It, geez, every Liam Neeson movie I'm totally <laughs> about, you know, but uh-huh. there's something about a kingdom minded man that is both tough and tender mm-hmm. that doesn't just rise up to occasion to try to get revenge when they weren't able to protect, but um, actually steps in and begins to, with love, begins to heal the person that is, um, that has been uh, offended or the person that's been taken advantage of. I just think that's really cool and very. Yeah. Thank you. Very insightful that you, whether you knew it or not, consciously. Yeah, I, you I, just like, I, I remember at the there. time thinking like, you know, all all you've seen to this point are make whether it's movies or TV shows, depictions of someone after something mm-hmm. like this. I'm like, she like I could go to touch her and she could scream at me. Like yep. I knew that's not her personality, but right. I don't know. Like this is an extreme situation. So that's like being very conscious yeah. of that. And like, and we talked about it since then. It's like Afterwards, the weeks afterwards, like emotionally, we became probably closer than we've Mm. ever been. And in a married situation, how do you express that closeness? And it's like, but it was just a really weird situation for sure. And so, you know, you guys talk, you reference this, most people would have this really uh, visceral PTSD type reaction to these things where they're, you know, kind of living on edge Mm -hmm. quite a bit in the aftermath of it paranoia. Did you experience any of that stuff? Like talk to me about some of the aftermath and how that, you know, did that caught, I mean, were you jumpy? Were you, Um, were you frightened? Well, because of that amazing community that we had, um, we ended up staying in the home of dear friends of ours and he's a psychologist. Well, Mm -hmm. let's let's give him his real credentials. So I mean, PhD in clinical psychology, a master's in theology. So it's like someone that's, that's really that's exactly the kind of person for you both want. sides. Yeah, Dr. Wow. Keith Puffer, an amazing man, and his wife Wendy. Like they've been. I feel like I just need to get to know this guy know. just because he's <laughs> seriously is what he is. Wow. So yeah, we we had the privilege of staying in their home, and it, it was I just can't imagine anything better. Wow. They let our families come stay there, and they just took care of us. Can we just talk about? I mean, that's God's provision it for is. you right there. For yeah. sure. I mean, that he laid that out. He gave that person. I think a lot of times we don't, we go, God, where were you? Where were you? And God's yeah. going, hey, listen, I was there in that mm-hmm. moment, but let me show you how I'm going to be even more present 100%. in the healing process yes. of all of mm-hmm. this and really bring people up. Man, that's incredible. And it's the one so thing true. that Rachel even referenced earlier about uh, one of the lines I always say is like, the body of Christ, when we went through this, did what it was designed to do. Wow. Like it, it, they carried us through it. And, and it's not just like, our local church body, like the mm. true body of Christ, it was people from you know this is a Christian university there, and and all and people in all different aspects. And when your story came up, and we were talking through that, and we're like, like we're connected through enough people, mm-hmm. and we're like, I wonder if they were people praying for us when we went through that, wow. if they'd heard about it, because wow. we we found out people that we knew from years ago that were at seminary 
were praying for this couple and then they found out like a year or two later that that was us and they know us personally, wow. but they didn't know that at the time. Man. So it's for you guys. We we're like, obviously we were praying for you, but we're like, they may have been praying for us at that time. Man, so, so just some examples wow. though, like when you're in that that low point, it's very much the the hands and feet of Jesus. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not like the spiritual talks, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know this. You know, it's not like <laughs> let's figure out why this happened mm-hmm. or read a verse. It's like okay, we're going to pack your whole house and move it for mm-hmm. you. It's, we're going to buy your old house so that yep. you don't have to worry about it. It's, we're going to buy you a new yeah, house. Yeah, let's, let's wow. tell that story. All of that happened in one week. And we okay, were just... This, you're going to have to tell this story. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Because so, you're just we, like we'll, throwing we'll, these things we'll out get there. Back, we'll get, there's a very good like PTSD like, yeah, therapy I thing. Get to that. But like, I think it would probably be good just to go chronologically yeah, like the days that, that. that what happened. So um, she didn't tell me the details of what happened mm-hmm. right away, like that day, which... For me, the next day, I'm like, my mind's going crazy. I'm like, yeah. I know what happened, but like, I'm going to like the worst places right. in my head. So that, and night, I'm sure on some level, you're like, I want to know all the details. I also don't know if I want to know all exactly. the details. And so, exactly. So, and Rachel has great discernment, which I need to let her use more in our lives as a <laughs> married couple and as parents. But, um, and so the next evening, like our parents had the kids and, and we sat down and she was able to walk me through. Cause I actually went back to class the next day because if I didn't go back to class, I had to wait a whole nother year to start the program. But, um, so I'm in class all day, physically yeah. present, but that's it. So then Thursday, some friends of ours, um, we found out pretty early on, like people seeing her was mm. good for them. Yeah. Again, Rachel's personality, she can hold it together. and But people seeing that she was okay was good for them to see that. So they came out to the house we were staying at. They brought their kids. Um, and the wife said, you know, my husband's on his way here, and he has something he wants to tell you. And so he got there, and like I said, that was on Thursday. And he's like, an anonymous donor called me today, and they want you to buy you. They heard about the situation, want to buy you any house you want, anywhere you want. Wow. And so we're like, no, like, that's that's just wow. silly. And so that was huge. I think we both broke down at that point. And then within 15 minutes, a friend of ours called and said, hey, my wife and I were talking about it um, and we want to buy your house from you, whatever you have in it. Wow. Because we had bought it and done a lot of work to get it to where we wanted it to be. And it's like within 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 15 minutes, those two things happened. That's yeah, we had decided we didn't want to continue living there. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have, so. absolutely, understandably. Yeah, which, which wasn't even an occurrence to us. My dad was like the day or that day or the next day, he's like, well, I guess you're never going back to your house. And I was mm. like, oh yeah, I hadn't even thought that far yeah, yet. Yeah, right. And so, Man. and that was, that was really huge to be able to do that. And then... Um, all the one of my good friends as a pastor talked about this these ambivalent things, just kind of these opposites, like such sorrow and tragedy, and within days you're crying tears of joy mm. from from the love of God's people and from that He's pouring yeah. on you. And it's physical stuff, so like I mean, it's it, right. sometimes it feels petty, like like why does you know God's bigger than a mm. house or whatever? But those are things that you need, exactly. and in those moments, like that is God working through right. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does, it carries you through and it shows you like God is God is there yeah. and he uses his people. He, for yeah, sure. he cares about those petty things mm-hmm. in our lives. I think, you know, he doesn't, I mean, I, I think sometimes we, we dismiss those things because we hear so much like, don't put your stock in those things. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it's hay and stubble. It's not going to be here in the end. But, but on 
of the flip side, Jesus looked at the people and was like, hey, don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat because God will clothe you. Mm-hmm. He clothes, you know, the flowers of the field. Mm-hmm. And they're clothed better than Solomon's. Yeah. How much more is he going to clothe you? Mm-hmm. And so he, it, that shows us that he cares about those things, and especially in situations like this where that's a practical need yeah. and it's part of your healing journey. You can trust the Lord to show up and, and heal in those places through people mm-hmm. the way that nobody else can. Yeah, and it was like when people have asked us afterwards, like, like what can we do for you? My advice now to people is if you think of something to do for those people, like just, just do, do it. Just do it, wow. Yeah, just do it, whether it's providing financially, it's a meal, just whatever it is. If it, it comes is, to your mind, do it. Do it. And, that's good. Um, and you know... It, we got a lot of the bad theology comments from people. <laughs> Maybe and... not if those come to your mind. <laughs> exactly. That's true. It's uh, like, let's see if we can go back. Let's yeah, re- like, <laughs> let's recant I mean, on what I just obviously said. Obviously, <laughs> there's uh, 10 different ways you can interpret every single verse in the Bible, it seems yeah. like. And, and the way that we view it is that this was not, this is not God's plan. We live right. in a fallen, broken right. world. And um, a pastor friend of mine gave me kind of a line that I really like. And it basically said, like, God did not. Um, orchestrate this. He did not plan this, yeah. but you can be rest assured he will redeem it That's and right. will continue to redeem right. it. And, and he's orchestrating and playing redemption out of it. Exactly. That's where his exactly. intervention comes in, where he goes, okay. And you know, we say this, I've, we've said this often on the, on the podcast that God's not going to necessarily intervene by preventing. Mm-hmm. He will always intervene by producing something out of it though. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. So for me, like the things that you were saying about people being there, I know that some people are like, well, how do I just be there? I'm just going to show up at their house. So if I'd see somebody, they would come up and give me a hug and say, I was praying for you. Mm. Or send me a random email, just, I was praying for you. And I'm like, wow, people are thinking about me and they're not right. with me. Right. That means a lot. That's like huge. It makes you feel known. Mm-hmm. It yep. makes you feel, um, you know, like you have that, that love of other people. So yep. mm-hmm. that's wow. really important. And again, with Rachel's personality, like people thought when they were around her, they needed to be strong and not show emotion. Right. But again, God, the way God wired her is like she can keep it together. Yeah. And when people would hold her and cry, that actually gave her the freedom to cry. Mm. And that's when, which was great for her. Like certain friends would hug, hug her and and cry, and that's she could finally cry. Like, and so it was great to be able for people to be able to give her that freedom um, to show her emotion was was kind of a gift in itself as well. Yeah, Rachel, you said something that I thought was really interesting because. Your response was, how can I not tell somebody about this? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, that's not the response of uh, young women who are yeah. in this situation. It's, it's oftentimes a, I'm not telling anybody right, about this. Right. Can you talk to me about that? Speak into that a little bit. Why was that your response um, as you've kind of begun to minister to other young gals? Mm-hmm. Why do you see that that's their response? What would you, what would you say to somebody who has experienced mm-hmm. a rape or some kind of a... You know, sexual assault or, or you know taken advantage of in that yeah. in that way who is who is hide, they're hiding it they're covering it they don't want to tell somebody about it yeah well there's definitely a lot of fear around this whole topic either fear of being exposed um, it's definitely vulnerable to even admit that because it makes people think about you in a way that we don't like being thought yeah. about right like yeah. um, like I don't I for a while I remember feeling like everywhere I went and people I knew like they look at me and all they see is is like a girl who was raped and that's like what they're thinking about. Um, and so I think there's this fear of being, being exposed. Right. right? Um, and then maybe, and for other people, it's like the fear of the perpetrator and, and how are they going to respond? Um, I, I really never even 
considered not telling someone. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I just have to attribute that to that's, um, you know, the closeness I have with my husband. I would never want to keep something like yeah. that from him. Um, I was never promiscuous or anything. Like it was just totally, yeah, totally a new level of like, of course I have to tell my husband, right. like I cannot keep this from him. Um, so, and I think maybe some, I, I know that some girls are, are thought that they're not going to be believed. Um, and that's something that I just have such yeah. a hard time dealing with because uh, I think that's one anomaly with our story is not only was, um, like I told, I told people right away, I was believed. Mm-hmm. I had the support of the community and, and the perpetrators were caught, which we hadn't even said that yet. They were only out on the streets for like another month yeah. before they arrested them wow. um, at school. They were teenagers, wow. which is heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. Um, but you know, like all those things are anomalies. Yeah. That's not the norm. And so it's really heartbreaking for me. To, and, and it's hard for me to know how I can help people other than to say the first step is always to tell somebody. Yeah. Even if it's not going to a therapist or, you know, something official, like telling somebody is always a first step in healing. Um, a verse that became really important to me is Revelations twelve eleven, and that's they overcame him, which is Satan, by mm. the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. So like good. obviously the blood of the lamb, wow. that's already there. Um, but the word of their testimony, like overcoming Satan, mm-hmm. we do that by sharing our stories. That's right. mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it might be once and it yep. it helps you heal it might be telling it again and again and every time i know that i tell my story i think it brings more healing yeah. wow. because it continues to give glory to god it doesn't let that fear that satan brought that night it doesn't let that rule over me so good and it you know crushes satan under our feet that's right so wow um, she's preaching now she is preaching mm-hmm. holy cow it chills over here that is so good it, it gives god the glory which is the rightful place of glory it robs the enemy of his dominion yes. in that it's by us the word of the testimony. This is what God's done in my life, despite what mm-hmm. the enemy has tried to do in so my life. So if you're a woman and wow. you have been sexually assaulted and it's a fearful thing to tell, I mean, just from a, a Christian standpoint, telling your story is a right step yeah. because mm. it takes away whatever holds that Satan has on you through that for sure. Wow. Wow. Well, you're, you have the ability to speak into so many young women um, and older women who have experienced this, but who have been uh, held captive by mm. this, their experience and um, who ha- are and have adopted a mentality of, uh, of being a victim. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's a difference between being a victim and adopting, adopting a victim mentality. Mm, yes. Um, how would you speak to that? I mean, you, you just said it's a choice, a decision, but if you're sitting across the table with a gal who's experienced this and you've seen, man, they're... They're just they're they're still kind of stuck in this. Mm-hmm. We have so many we encounter so many people who get stuck in their valley. Yeah. This one particularly, what are some of the keys to getting unstuck, getting out of that victim mentality, kind of raising up above that? Um, I mean, I think we already mentioned one, which is sharing your story. Um, and there's different avenues for that, and different avenues might lend for more healing. So mm-hmm. if you share it with a friend, you might feel better that your friend can sympathize with you, but there's there's not a lot of growth then that can happen out yeah. of that. So, uh, you know, some kind of professional therapy obviously mm. is a step. Um, there's 
plenty of books, which I know sometimes <laughs> we're like, oh, another book. I don't want to read another book. But I finally just read a book about uh, rape specifically and healing from that trauma. And uh, it was right on. Do you remember I mean, what the name of that book is? I have it in the car. Okay, we we'll can put link it, to we'll it. We'll put it on the podcast, baby. We'll, we'll um, link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Re- yeah I'm not even going to try to guess. I'll get it <laughs> wrong. Um, but, you know, years later, now looking back and seeing the journey that I went on and and being like, yes, she was yeah. right on. And unfortunately, her story, she waited years before getting help. So I can't imagine right. going through years of that pain before finding healing. Um, wow. But it can still be done. And, and she goes through exactly. And I remember listening to you, uh, you know, your podcast different times and the stories and how similar, no matter what the trauma is, right. so many, like the steps of healing yeah. are still the same. Like I know for us, a couple of weeks after what had happened, we realized we were living from just that point forward and we didn't even remember the rest of our life. Wow. You know, and like realizing, okay, we're in a very small circle right yeah. now and life just feels terrible. Um, but someday we'll, we'll remember what happened before today yeah. and yeah. we can think bigger. Um, wow. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are, now kind of this is what I love about being able to talk to folks who are several years removed <laughs> from their tragedy. They you guys are doing some ministry out of this. You're turning this around and and you know, I mean the point of the nothing is wasted podcast mm-hmm. is helping you find purpose in your pain, helping you live, mm-hmm. learn, and lead through pain. And I love hearing about how people are turning their pain around to help somebody else in their pain. Can you talk to me a little bit about this? Because it's beginning to evolve now, some of the ministry that yeah. you guys are doing, some of the work you're doing with this. Um I had kind of told God from the beginning, like I want this to be used, but I don't want to just be sharing it with everybody. Yeah. You know, it's not the type of thing you just want to be like, hey, guess what happened to me? You know, by the way, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, it, those things, I mean, just, there's there's a certain number of stories, certain types of stories that mm-hmm. really sit heavy and completely suck the air out of yeah. a room. Yeah, and I have to be careful because it, since one. it did happen to me and I'm so used to it now, I, it's very easy for me just to tell the yeah. story and the other person is. Oh my goodness! Right. Like they're like right. in a heap because they yeah. can't imagine. Yeah. Most women, like, it's literally okay their worst right nightmare. Now. Exactly, yeah. it really is, mm-hmm. and it's hard because they're all of a sudden now they're having to process through right. all that. It and feels and like the thing your... is, like they they go home then in fear. Yeah, that's it. And they're wow. locking their doors, and and I'm like, oh, I don't want my story to create mm. fear in people. Yeah. So whenever I know that people hear about it, I'm like, please listen to the end. Yeah. You know, because it's a lot bigger than that one night. Wow. Um, but I kind of told God from the beginning, like, I want you to use this story or else it's just wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will share it, but I want you to be the one to bring it to me, mm-hmm. like, so that I know when to share it and I'm not the one always just bringing it up. Yep. Um, so it had been a while that I had not really shared it with anybody. And a friend of mine um, suggested my name on the Jamie Ivey yeah. podcast. Yeah. And um, so that was really my first time sharing in a, a big way, I guess, and getting the story out there. And then in the last year, I've had um, the chance to share it just a MOPS group, Mother wow. of Preschoolers, and then at a women's retreat, which was like a four-session weekend, wow. and really putting together not just my story, but then like a message of hope Yeah, and what's bigger than the story. And um, the cool thing about that is, is with that verse about sharing our testimonies, the whole last session was just there for women to share their stories mm-hmm. um, because that's really where change yep. happens. Like I could give a whole, my story and people could go home and they'd remember the story, yeah. mm. but really change happened. And it was like two hours solid of women just getting up and sharing stories worse than mine, you know? Yeah. And wow. like, um, and you know, they're, 
they get to stay there as a, a women women's group in that church and grow together now right. and to know each other on a deeper level. Um, so that was powerful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seeing God use my story just as a catalyst to help women be able to share their stories. And that's really what I'm hoping. You wow. know, I don't think me sharing my story is necessarily going to uh, prepare a woman for mm-hmm. being in the situation because no one can prepare for that. Um, but it can possibly help women share their story and, and grow in community together and, wow. and find healing. That's so, man, that's so amazing. I'm so glad those opportunities have started to unfold for you because yeah. I think this is a much needed thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think you're the the right person to do that. And um, so I'm just, uh, you know, I just, I love how God, uh, I, I, I love how God takes our worst tragedies mm-hmm. and he turns them around and, and proves that there is triumph in that. Mm-hmm, I know that sounds sure. so cliche, but you guys are living, breathing, walking testimonies of that. Yeah. And um, it's cool to see, and I'm ex- really excited to follow to see how that continues to Yeah. Uh, so, to yeah, because So again, Rachel, the way she is, she's like, well, if people want to hear from us, like, they'll contact <laughs> us. And I'm like, my mind's very You're gro- like, put gro- it out there. growth and business <laughs> focused. And I'm right. like, like most people just don't know we exist, yeah. you know, other than our right. circles and stuff. And so this past year was like her getting these few opportunities, which kind of created themselves, and then mm-hmm. building, you know, a simple website with some things that we want to offer to come into churches, mm-hmm. Christian colleges, because it's such a need. And I think she saw that at the retreat, and that's the thing that she, when she came back from that, which was like three nights where I had all six kids at yeah. home by myself. So yeah. I'm like. <laughs> And I got sick, and she was sick there, and I was sick at home. It was crazy, right. but she came back. She's like, I'm just so surprised. Like, I don't understand God using me because she was extremely intentional from night one. She told me this, like, preparing women. Like, mm. I want you to get ready to be able, at the last time, I'm going to open it up to share your story because mm. that's really important for her. And um, these women, from what she told me, some of them that have experienced sexual assault and literally had never shared it with anyone before that day. Wow. And wow. which is just the start. And this happened to be one specific church, just that church, which was really cool because then you can go yeah. back and hopefully continue to grow with each other through that. And so we're just kind of slowly developing that and seeing what opportunities and what doors open. And, yeah. um, you know, our theme is broken to brave and okay. what that looks like. What's the website? Simon and Rachel Henry.com. Simon and Rachel. <laughs> it was the URL Henry. was available. <laughs> and so we wanted uh, Broken to Brave because we really like that, but it just yeah. it wasn't available. So that's awesome. Well, if you're listening to this and you are a, a pastor, school administrator, teacher, uh, you're involved in college campuses, definitely go to Simon and Rachel Henry.com and um and for sure. uh, Rachel, both of you guys, I mean, you guys would be incredible people to speak to this, but... And if they have um, RV hookups, then we can just bring the whole go. family. There you go, bring it. And, <laughs> bring and, the family. <laughs> um, and one thing, if we have time, yeah. I would like to go through and say just kind of some of the things that happened after, because yes. we always get that question. Yes. Like, Rachel said they were arrested, so right. the Marion police, we love. Like, yeah. they were just so great. Like, the way they took care of us that day, the lead detective went, like, we didn't know it at the time, but right. goes to our, our church at the time. Wow. And just, and it was a big deal for a, a smaller town, so, like, the city police, the state police, the mm. sheriff, we've heard all this later, like, this was priority number one. Yeah, Catching wow. these guys, Rachel gave them a description, she guessed, like, early 20s, and Again, in hindsight, the police told us afterwards they were pretty sure they were younger, mm. just from everything Rachel had told. And so five weeks later um, is when they were arrested. 
and small town doesn't have their own lab. And these right. guys, there was DNA, fingerprints, a whole bunch of things. And they were collecting evidence from all these like moped thefts and everything. Wow. But it was really for our case. So they were collecting DNA samples, matching them, and they got, you know, the, the matches that it's mm. undeniable, like, you know, millions to one. That's these are these are the guys. And when they arrested them, two were 15 and one was 17. <laughs> and so um mm. Just absolutely. And, but it was, that was really good for us because at the same time, it's like we were in a new house by that point. Right. But we're like, these guys are still out there. But it was, it and was. And there was the element of fear because mm-hmm. because of what they had right. said. I didn't know if they were serious or not, which right. knowing now how young they were, they were probably just saying yeah. that. But at the time, like everywhere I drove, I was looking around for them uh, or just looking for someone following me. So there was definitely that that fear that was there yep. and just knowing that they had them in custody was just like, okay. Mm. Yeah. I can well, breathe a little bit. It's a big bit. relief. Yeah. The, um, the prosecutor, the county prosecutor at the time, Jim Luttrell, I mean, again, we actually know his kids, like went to college with them and just a, a great man of God. And yeah. just, he, he cared deeply about our case, walked us through it and just said, this is probably what's going to happen. The 17 year old, because of the level of the crime was automatically tried as an adult. Both 15 year olds turned 16 within weeks of being arrested and he said they would have to go to juvenile court be waived to adult court and that happened within the first couple months so they were waived to Mm. adult court because of the um just the seriousness of the the crimes and ended up being the way rape is counted 13 counts of rape Mm. right Mm -hmm. and so and then he just kind of said this is probably what will plan out it will work out over the next year and like she said it was basically the one year anniversary only one chose to plead not guilty and go to trial mm. um which was a week long trial and um just, I don't know an interesting process yeah. I don't know what word to use like cuz we weren't allowed to we weren't allowed to be in the courtroom right. but he's allowed to be there the whole time right. hearing and he can shape his testimony but we both gave testimony in that and mm. right yours was pretty long it was like several hours that you had to be on the stand. Wow. And so, and he was, um, the jury deliberated for an afternoon, but we found out later they were, it wasn't whether or not he was guilty, but they were trying to decide on the extremity of how they were going to convict him. Yeah. And so he was convicted at the highest degree of all counts. Mm. Um, and then the other two pled guilty and they all ended up getting the same sentence. And so in Indiana, it's um, all, every single count can count as, 40 years, but they serve them all at the same time. Gotcha. And so, and they have to serve 75% of that. And so they have to serve at least 30 years in jail for a mistake they made when they were 15. Wow. Because, I mean, it's an extreme mistake. Right. And so... um, And and obviously people ask about forgiveness a lot. mm -hmm. How how can you forgive someone who did that? Um, And like we already talked about, there was that element of knowing that they're lost. Yeah. And that their encounter that night might have been their only encounter with someone mm-hmm. who loves God, wow. or you know, and um, and so wow. there's like the element of pity, yeah. And especially once I found out their ages, and I'm a mom, and I'm just, I, it was like, like I felt so sorry for yeah. them for the life that they've probably had to live first of all, and um, knowing that it's probably been really awful, mm. um, and then you know the choice that they made and how it's going to really affect the rest of their lives, and um. So as far as forgiving, I feel like it wasn't as hard for several reasons, like that being part of it, but also the way then that God worked and did so much healing and brought so much good out of it. Yeah. It was like, what choice do I have to forgive Yeah, because of all the good things that God brought? Like being bitter would only be hurting myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so letting it go and, and really praying for God's 
hand on their lives now that yeah. they're that they're in prison and um you know sometimes i even people think i'm silly for saying this sometimes i even wonder like maybe i should have if i really wanted to to mm. show forgiveness which i got to forgive them each to their faces in the sentencing so that was yeah. really important but i'm like would have it been even more profound to them if i would have asked the judge to give them less time mm. you know like like did i miss it you know like i wonder wow. those things um because I have my life and I have my family. I have everything that I need and they still need Jesus. Wow. And maybe I could have asked for more. And I will wow. say again to to Rachel, like the judge at the sentencing, it was the same judge for sentencing for all of them, greatly praised her. He's like, I've, mm. you know, he's been on the bench for a long time and I've never seen someone come into sentencing mm. and tell them they forgive them and say that they're praying for them and mm. those things, which she did. And it was just a, another huge testimony to who she is. And after that point, what, like what the goal is for, for um, what we want in our lives and the people that interact with. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you guys for sharing that because, mm-hmm. you know, we're facing a trial. In I've been September. wondering about that. Wow. Yeah. In September. So is there three also for you? Three. Well, one trial because the other two have struck plea agreements. So, oh. um, so they'll testify against the shooter. Well, you know, we're preparing our hearts and minds mm-hmm. right now as we're stepping in. This summer's kind of been a preparation mm-hmm. season for that. I've been thinking a lot about it over the past few days. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, it's it's been weird how I've been thinking a lot and trying mm-hmm. to prepare my mind. So, yeah. it's help. Uh, this is equipping for me for for you guys to talk about this. Yeah, because because my like, my goal because I also said something at the sentencing and. I mean, I basically said, you guys are entering. I mean, this is prison. Like, you're going to need Jesus. Mine yeah. was much more like hard and rehearsed. It was like forgiveness and yeah. feeling good, but it was still like, I mean, it was, it was very tough. I don't know. You probably got this question a lot. I got it afterwards from so many people. Like, I just don't know how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I, you, I don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, it's like either you let it just eat away and you implode mm. Or you let, like for me, it, honestly, like for looking back, I don't know if I handled it that well, but I feel like I let other people carry me. Yeah. Because like at the right. time, like I wasn't, mm-hmm. like I said, I was really mad at God for a long time mm-hmm. um, to the point where I think Rachel just said, I'm like going to pray for you. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't that I ever lost faith from a logical standpoint, but emotionally I was like, I didn't really want to have this close emotional relationship with you mm-hmm. because of what you allowed to happen to this woman. Wow. And so, and I think Rachel got to the point where she's just like, I'm just going to pray for you. And as actually, when we were talking offline about this, like the company that I went through this like leadership program, mm-hmm. it was like their content, the power of a praying wife and the power of a Holy Spirit, which was mm-hmm. huge for me, um, which led us to moving to Florida when wow. it comes down to it. So. Wow. Guys, here's what, here's what I want to do. I th- think we've got so much more that we need and could talk about, um, but we're going to we're going to take a break cuz we're kind of out of time and we're going to we're going to make this a, a two-part conversation. So if if you're listening to this, make sure that you join us for part 2 of my interview with Simon and Rachel Henry. It's going to be awesome. Wow, Davey, I um I have no words. That was mm-hmm. um, an incredible story um, for me personally. I 
could not get through it without a lot of tears. It was super hard. And um, I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners, how was that Mm. for you? How was listening to this interview? Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because when we were done with the interview, I was emotionally exhausted. I can't remember a time that I've been that exhausted Mm -hmm. coming off of an interview. Uh, just, just being able to talk to somebody who had been in a situation that was so similar to what Amanda went through, Mm. um, you know, oftentimes I've thought about it and I, and I, I've tried not to, you know, I've tried to really, uh, kind of think about, okay, and, and, and replace maybe the lies that the enemy is going to try to feed into my mind in regards to those last 45 minutes of Amanda, of Amanda's life. I've, I've tried to really just replace mm-hmm. those with what I know to be true because I have no idea what exactly took place. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, nobody really knows except for um, the alleged shooter. And I don't even know if he was in the right state of mind that he would remember what happened, to be honest with you. And so it's really hard for me to to know that we will never know. And yet at the same time, I find comfort in that. But sitting across the table from uh, from Rachel and, and hearing about how God showed up for her in that moment mm. brought so much comfort and healing to me. And I, I remember a couple of years ago, as I was wrestling through all that myself and wrestling through the feelings of guilt um, in the sense of why wasn't I there? Why couldn't it have been me? Why couldn't I have you know, been there to stop it? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those different things. I remember you, know, you feel as a husband this responsibility of a, as a protector. And I, you know, I talked to, to uh, Simon about that a little bit as well and, and his wrestlings through it all. But I remember the Lord just clearly speaking to me and saying, Davey, I protected her in ways that you couldn't have. Mm. And so while physically, you know, here on earth, in an earthly manner, you know, I, I could have essentially protected her. The only one that could protect her eternally was, was Jesus. Mm. And I remember the Lord just kind of revealing to me, I think he did this through the book of Acts where um, Stephen is the first martyr of the early church and he gets dragged out of the city and he gets stoned to death. And yet... We have no description of the pain that he went through, even though that would have been a very, very, very painful way to die. All we have is this description of him looking to heaven and his face glowing like an angel Mm. and um, him saying, I see Jesus. And I feel like the Lord allowed me to, he kind of spoke to me through that passage and and allowed me to kind of get a somewhat of a glimpse into maybe what Amanda's final Mm. moments were in that, that, you know, he's assured me that she saw him in those final moments, that he was there. Mm. He was protecting her, so to speak. And he ushered her into heaven before she even tasted death. He was there to take her, to take her away. And so to hear Rachel kind of articulate what she felt in those moments of the Lord showing up and the calm and the peace that she had, even in those moments, it just made me it like verified all the things that the Lord had spoken to my heart. It was mm. so, so incredibly really healing beautiful, for me. So um, I'm so grateful for the, for the Henry's. I'm so grateful that although I absolutely hate what they've walked through and I'm so heartbroken over that, 
I'm grateful that they've come out of it with a testimony to help other people. And some of those other people, I mean, one of those other persons is myself. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah, I am so grateful for Mm. their courage and bravery because I cannot imagine um, reliving or sharing the story, but I'm thankful that they want to be used by God. And yeah, yeah, I think Mm. that was amazing. So, um, well, we just want to remind you if you... um, are on Instagram to follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, if you are listening to an episode and um, you screenshot it, we'd love for you to tag us in that post. And we want to thank Ryan at Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can find his music at um, iTunes or wherever music can be streamed. Um, he's got some really great stuff out there you should check out. So, yeah. And before we sign off, we want to remind you we're doing the part two of this episode and we're releasing it on Monday. You so you don't have to wait, wait very long. That's right. We're going to release this on Monday. So why don't you go ahead and take a listen to this clip from part two of our interview with Rachel and Simon Henry. Well, it's different when when you're living with people and they all know what you went through yep. and then suddenly you're in a setting and nobody knows. Yeah. And you feel like this is a really important part of who I am today right. and nobody knows. Right. And wondering when is the right time <laughs> to share this? Yeah, I don't just exactly. want to suddenly be like, well, guess what happened to me a couple right. of years ago? Um, and I'd been praying about it and feeling like God was, God was prompting me that I needed to be real with these people and share. And um, I, mean, I could usually tell the story pretty mildly and mm. not get emotional and, it had been so long, I guess. Uh, it was at a, a small group setting in a women's Bible study. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of thing I was like, God, if you if you make a moment, I'll share it. And I was real nervous. Wow. You know how you get yeah, when absolutely. you're real nervous. And I was like, okay, this is like the perfect segue, whatever verse we were reading. And I was huh. like, okay, if nobody talks, I'll do it. And then it just sat there. 